0: For more information, head on over to centeredinthecity.org and claim your seven day free trial. Notice how much better you will feel by having a consistent practice to support you staying centered. I'm so excited to have Amanda Gilbert with us on the Center in the City podcast. Amanda and I first connected back in 2018 via the magical world of Instagram. I reached out to Amanda to learn more about her experience as a meditation teacher and came to discover that she did her training at UCLA's Mindfulness Awareness Research Center, which is where I was heading to for my training back in 2019. So it was so fun to connect with her about that experience. And then in February 2020, we had an opportunity to work together in LA on a meditation app So it was also so fun to connect in person, and now I get to connect with her on the podcast and we get to learn more about her current teachings, her current projects, and her new book called Kindness Now. A little bit about Amanda is that she is a meditation teacher, a lecturer of mindfulness at the University of Southern California, a speaker, and now author. She's been meditating for the last 17 years and leads meditations for top companies like NBC, Paramount Pictures, W Hotel, Merrill Lynch, Macy's, and YouTube. As I mentioned, Amanda got her formal meditation training at UCLA's Mindfulness Awareness Center, as well as primordial sound meditation with Deepak Chopra in the insight meditation tradition. Amanda is a modern leader in the field of teaching secular meditation, mindfulness, and Buddhist meditation. I will share her full bio in the show notes, so make sure to read it and check it out, and of course, explore her new book, Kindness Now. And in this moment, I welcome you to settle in and enjoy listening to our conversation. Amanda, welcome to the Center in the City podcast.
1: Wade, I'm so happy to be here and I'm delighted that we have this time for our conversation. Me too. My
0: my my smile is like hurting my cheeks. It's so big. Talk to me about what does being centered mean to you?
1: I really love this question, Wade, as being centered or centeredness, I feel like is a primary experience of um, my contemplative practice whether it's formal meditation or moment-to-moment daily mindfulness, centeredness means to me, it means feeling at home and feeling at ease in this body, mind, heart field within this present moment. And centeredness also means to me having an open heart, an open mind, and a relaxed heart and an and a relaxed and spacious mind.
0: Mm, I love that. And I love that just like that sense of home, all aligning and opening. Ah, oh, I yeah. just feel myself <laughs> relax even more when you share that. Talk to us about what brought you to your own meditation practice and how you got introduced to this whole world of, of mindfulness.
1: Mm. It's really a two part story. And what I love about my origin story is that one um, meditation found me at a very young age, which I feel like is more or less pretty unique actually. The more students that I teach, the more time I spend in the meditation field. I realized that when I was uh, in, in my last year of high school, the age of 17, I was taught to meditate for the first time, and I just realized how unique that is, um, and I'm really grateful that that is part of my story, and from there, meditation actually kept knocking on my doorstep. It kept showing up from that point forward. It was in my undergraduate studies. I was all of a sudden studying holistic health and mindful no- nutrition and literally mindfulness in daily life and qigong and aspects like that. And then people would just hand me books on meditation too over the years. And then I really, the part two of my origin story is that what made me get really serious about meditation and what led me to a daily meditation practice was actually on the heels of a truly challenging time in my early twenties and my early adulthood one of those moments where everything as I knew it changed and it was in the aftermath of of that experience where as soon as I got a little bit of bearing I started to ask myself like the very serious and much needed question at the time of like what does healing look like Mm -hmm. is healing possible how can I meet the brokenness, these broken pieces of myself that I'm experiencing and feel and aware of? And um, it was in that initial inquiry where I remembered all of the times that i meditated before, starting even that first time in high school, where I felt an element of, of ease and peace and like hope and faith and just really being held by something beyond me. Mm -hmm. And I knew, it was like in that moment it all sort of clicked together. And I knew that meditation was going to be the only thing in the world that could possibly help me start to heal. And so I got really serious about it. I sought out my first teachers. I started to um, go to meditation retreats. I started to undertake studies and trainings in meditation. And that really, you know, was the foundation for where you know I am in present time, years later, um, um, just really being able to now know that that was a key element of my own personal healing journey. But I also have the great privilege and honor of seeing meditation meet thousands of, of people and students where they're at in their own unique stories or healing journeys as well.
0: Mm. Yeah. And that's so true of, first of all, thank you for sharing that. And it, and it's so true that, you know, I think meditation does find you Mm -hmm. what I've noticed with the people that I've worked with. And even with my own story, something has to happen in life that creates an opening for more curiosity and a, a searching for some healing. And I know that was the case for me when I really started to practice and find consistency. And I'm curious, like with the other students you work with at, at USC and with other students through your practices, what is making them curious and hungry to learn more about mindfulness and meditation?
1: This is such a timely question, Wade, because I've been... In the the meditation and mindfulness field professionally in a variety of different ways for almost like eight to 10 years now, uh, which is really wild to think about. Mm -hmm. And I've been teaching meditation full-time for like maybe in this five to six year mark, maybe more like six now. And in my own like path of facilitation, I feel like it's been a moving, like a moving response. Um, I feel like if we were to rewind to five years ago, a lot of students are walking into my classrooms because they were hearing about all of the clinical benefits mm-hmm. of mindfulness meditation, like stress reduction, the, the reduction of, of anxiety, um, sleeping better, overall health and optimal well-being. And that is still, I mean that's still true. I still get that response when I ask people um, at the beginning of our classes or our time together, you know, what's bringing you here. I still get those sort of clinically based responses. But what's actually coming through more and more these days, I would say even in the last year is, is that people are coming to meditation because they want to, they want to show up in the world as a kinder, more compassionate, more altruistic, benevolent, connected person and being. And that has been, it was, it's been so surprising in, in the most beautiful way to start to notice those sorts of responses. Um, and I feel like it's also a, a call for us as meditation teachers or just for the field of meditation as a whole to start to really meet our students and meet our modern meditators in that way where um, we can start to really incorporate more compassion more kindness, more practices of joy, um, and equanimity and forgiveness. So I've been really hearing that response quite a bit lately, people want to get to know themselves better and do the inner work so they can really show up in the most compassionate and open and connected way possible for others and the world at large.
0: Oh, that makes my heart so happy to hear because that feels so much more authentic, and it sounds like the heart is speaking versus the head of "give me the facts, give me, give me that you know, uh, medicine of meditation that's going to make me less stressed or help me sleep better." Which I know is, is still there. It's interesting because when working with corporations pre-pandemic. A lot of the conversation around mindfulness was about how to be more productive, right? How to increase focus, and I feel like it has definitely shifted. And I feel like I can be a more authentic teacher and trainer and facilitator in those moments because I talk about the power and the benefit of of the healing from the inside out of how it really helps how it really helps me manage my thoughts helped me manage my emotions and equanimity, which I know is a huge practice that you talk about in your book, Kindness Now, I would say is like the, the foundation of what it feels like to be living in this modern day life. Will you talk to us a little bit more about equanimity and the gift of this practice?
1: Yes. I, you know, I feel like your starting question of like, what does centeredness mean to you? really points us and all of our beautiful listeners right now to this inquiry around equanimity. Because, um, you know, what I love about equanimity is that it is often a, a initial outcome for meditators. So we start to experience centeredness or evenness of mind or more inner balance or more equanimity um, even after, I would say, anywhere from a few days to a few weeks to a few months of consistent meditation practice, I hear a lot of self-reporting around this. You know, Like, Amanda, I just feel a little bit more at ease in my body. I feel more balanced. I'm not all over the place. I'm not so distracted as much. And so, equanimity, and, and it was true for me too, equanimity was actually the first palpable outcome and benefit that I started to experience as a consistent meditator. And um, if anything, that feeling of being more gathered, like more congealed, more centered, more equanimous within my own heart, body, mind was probably one of the main elements that kept bringing me back to meditation. Mm day in and day out, especially over the beginning years of my of my daily meditation practice. And you know, the thing about equanimity too, though, is that yes, it's a natural byproduct and outcome of a consistent practice, but it is also something that we can train for. It is also something that we can aspire to. It is something that we can engage with consciously in our mindfulness meditation practice. And you know what another aspect of what i love about equanimity is that it shows up in a lot of our basic mindfulness training or our mindfulness practice the practice of growing our capacity to be aware and present in each present moment one moment to the next but it's also part of the heart practices of mindfulness meditation, which, um, you know, thank you for bringing in in the new book, Kindness Now, yeah. of, you know, equanimity is one of the four weeks of practice in Kindness Now, and Kindness Now is a book specifically focused on the four heart qualities of mindfulness meditation or the heart Branch of practices of mindfulness meditation, or the Brahma Viharas of Buddhism, um, equanimity is the fourth Brahma Vihara or the fourth heart quality. That, for years, you know, we um, we can look back at the literature of the Brahma Viharas, and we can see that hundreds and thousands of people and meditators before us. Have systematically trained in cultivating equanimity through specific techniques and practices, especially in the realm of the Brahma Viharas. So, to me, equanimity is like one of those beautiful qualities that just seems to touch on so many different aspects and arenas of our meditation practice. Um, It's something that I feel like for some, it can be a little um, cerebral or conceptual. I actually am curious if this comes up for you and your classes too, Wade. Um, But sometimes I hear the question of like, I don't get equanimity. I don't understand it. Um, And to that, I I actually really invite practitioners to start to open up like their sense doors and actually start to relate to equanimity in a more embodied way. And one of my suggestions and kind of sound in the book is around equanimity is to is to, Feel it, you know, feel it to believe it. Let equanimity be a practice that you palpably, tangibly, um, and through the sense doors connect to, then your mind will start to form its own concepts and relationships to to equanimity. So I'm curious if that comes up for you.
0: I love the... Emphasis on embodying it and feeling it because it is once you can sense it. Once I sensed it, it became this whole deeper practice that I could bring into my everyday life. And one of the things that helps me personally is actually envisioning a mountain. Like for me, equanimity is that mountain meditation practice of feeling really rooted and grounded and visualizing the rain or the wind or the sunshine or you know, the different animals, maybe running around my mountain, all of it's happening, but I'm not reacting or even responding to it. I am just observing and being with it. And that to me comes this visceral feeling of, Oh, I can be rooted in this moment. Life is so busy. There's so many winds. There's so much noise. There's so much distraction. There's so many highs. There's so many lows. There's so much goodness. There's so much grief. And yet, I can just be here, observing it, and seeing it, and sensing it. And what also helped me with that practice was learning about the eight winds, and being able to logically recognize, oh yeah, I can be in this moment of blame, and then be in this moment of praise. Be in these extreme moments with with the winds and notice where I am, how I'm getting so attached to you know, the winning, the glory, and then how I get so attached to the losing and the sorrow and, and how it's so disruptive to get swept by, by the wind. And so it's like, oh, come back to this balanced moment, come back to this grounded center that I can just observe and I can feel that. And that's so helpful to carry with me in my day-to-day life.
1: I love that, Wade, because I feel like what you just described is that beautiful blend of mindfulness and also our heart practice, like being able to be with the gains, the losses, the blame, the shame, the happiness, the sorrow, just whatever our human moment um, encompasses. It allows us to, one, recognize the truth of reality and then two, choose how we want to respond to it. Like you are saying, like, sh- can I observe this instead of opinionate about this or judge this? Can I perhaps meet whatever's arising with um, kindness and compassion and empathy and non-judgment? You know, some qualities that I like to incorporate when I'm sharing about equanimity myself are qualities based in, based in, in pure mindfulness, uh, letting go Mm -hmm. non-judgment, non-attachment, letting go, (laughs) big time, big time and uh, meeting the moment as it is. And then again, mindfully responding with kindness and compassion or applying the other three heart qualities of mindfulness meditation to what it is we're encountering in the present moment. Um, So I love that you brought that in.
0: No, it's, I think a huge foundational practice. And I love how in your book, you do such a beautiful job in this 28 day schedule to really outline and titrate all of this work into everybody's system so that it builds on each other and that people are not only having a tangible practice, but that you also give them journal prompts to reflect on, which I think is so empowering. And that also, I think, helps tie in the embodied perspective. So it's like allowing the mind and the body that felt sense all to come together and they build on one another. And so then you can just be this like light beam, shining, not only internally to yourself, but outwards to the world.
1: Mm -hmm. Way, thank you so much for sharing that. I really, really wanted Kindness Now to be a book that people could just go to and almost like get lost in because they trust the book so much. They trust the teachings. They trust the words on the page. Uh, In other words, I was really hoping Kindness Now would be such a place of like refuge for practitioners and meditators and readers and listeners Um, and you know, so I had to ask myself, like, how can these practices of the heart, how can they meet people right now? You know, how can they move from the words and and the pages or, you know, if you're listening to it on Audible, how can you take what you're hearing and listening? How can you really um, embody that, you know, to your point? And so what my process was around actually creating the daily practice structure and kindness now was what has worked for me and my own personal practice over the years. And believe me, I spent like a lot of time experimenting with a different daily meditation routine, or even a different sadhana, like spiritual routine. Because for me, meditation, the formal sitting time is, it's the bedrock of my daily sadhana or, or mindfulness um, morning practice But over the years, I've experimented with like a lot of different other components, you know, from waking up super early and doing a couple rounds of asana before my sitting practice to making sure I go for a mindful walk right after my sitting practice to like green smoothies in the morning to tea practice to journaling, etc., Um, And what really um, deepened my meditation practice the most is what I landed on for the kindness now is first um, taking in teachings before your sitting practice. So each day of practice and kindness now starts with a couple pages of, of teachings for that specific day centered on one of the heart qualities, depending on the week that you're in. And then the teachings lead into that daily meditation practice. And then to your point, you know, from the meditation, the reader and listener is invited to reflect through journaling prompts um, what has come up for you? It's almost like giving ourselves the opportunity to mine our own gold or our own insight from the practice. And I think that's an important part because, you know, one of the things I love about Buddhism or mindfulness practice so much is that. It is a practice that asks us and begs us and almost like requires us to be our own inner teachers and our own inner you know quote unquote gurus. Um, it's not it's not like a top down meditation lineage, meaning like the only wisdom present is coming from a figure or a teacher, you know. Um, and these tools and techniques of the mind and heart are all practices that each and every single human being can apply to our own lives and discover for ourselves how it's work, going to work for us or discover for ourselves, you know, how the practice and the tools and techniques can meet us specifically. So it's through those journaling prompts, I feel like it gives us that moment to say, all right, like, how did this land for me today? What came up for me? What can I take away from these teachings or from my meditation practice And then, you know, one of my favorite aspects about each daily practice is the little like meta moments or the compassion and action moments on the go. So at the end of each day's practice, there is a daily heart practice that you can actively work with throughout the rest of the day. And then the whole structure repeats itself tomorrow or or the next day. And, you know, I spent many, many years actually in the same exact like self-formula of practice. And when looking back, those were the years that my meditation practice really started to deepen.
0: So that for you is your recipe of really deepening and expanding. That's beautiful. You talk in the book about this concept of chitta and which you explain is the meeting of your mind's wisdom and your heart's boundless love to help you create a daily practice can you tell us a little bit more about how we can use cheetah to find some more consistency with meditation practice? Because one of the things I notice with my clients or students that I work with is consistency around a mindfulness practice or around a self-care practice tend to be one of the biggest blockers. And I'd just love to hear how this concept, how people could connect to this concept to maybe create a little bit of an internal shift.
1: Yeah, chitta is heart-minded consciousness, and how it can help us create and cultivate a daily habit around our practice or our contemplative practice is by using the mindfulness or the wise aspect of our mind to intentionally get clear upon what it is we are up to or what it is we want to be doing in our lives, like. Many of us know that we want to meditate, right? We know that we want to spend at least 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes in in daily meditation. We as modern meditators are very aware of all the research, like we already talked about that meditation is good for me. It's going to help me in a variety of ways from my productivity to the reduction of my stress, to feeling more at ease and comfortable in my own body, mind, heart, and skin, and yet, you know, it's, it's a whole process to really make it um, a daily experience or a daily practice. And so I find that this is where the heart really comes in in a big way. And one of the aspects that I love about chitta consciousness is that it's the blending of our, of our mind's intention and our heart's compassionate wisdom or all the qualities of the heart. And if you even take a step back, And reflect upon certain aspects of the heart, you know, around what does it feel like? What is a time in your life before where you've just had some really deep-rooted, lion-hearted resolve about something that you are going to do? Like you just know without a doubt in your mind that you are going to be um, showing up for this, showing up for this person, showing up for yourself, um, doing XYZ usually there's, you're not really caught up in all the um, thinking aspects of the mind. You're not like weighing things out. You just are in that full body, like knowing and heart. Yes. That's the heart's wisdom, you know, whether it's being courageous, brave, determined, resilient, strong, um, uh, definitely lion hearted. Those are aspects of the heart, you know, and this is something that I've had the great joy of really seeing how a lot of the teachings of kindness now land as far as people are being asked to unpack their current definitions of what kindness even means, Mm -hmm. you know, and there was something that was really interesting when I first started to share about the book, even publicly, like, oh yeah, it's on the, the books on, it's called kindness now, and it's about loving kindness, meditation, and compassion. And I started to notice that some, um, some folks would say like, oh, kindness reminds me of being like nice or being like you know, really kind of like soft and, and passive. And it was so fascinating because that's not the way I had related to kindness at all because I've been really working with kindness to the lens of my meditation practice and re- relying on compassion and kindness to help me foster my own daily meditation practice over the years. Um, and so as far as like bringing chitta awareness, which is a consciousness to our daily practice, I often say that the mind will help us map out our intentionality. It'll help us even create like a daily meditation routine that we know will work within our schedule each day or for that week. But it's the heart, the heart's call, the heart's determination, the heart's longing for something that we may not even know that we specifically need. But it's the heart that will actually be the one usually that will get us over that finish line each day and get our tush on the cush and actually land the <laughs> body in meditation. It's usually the heart, but we need we need both. We need to your point. We need that blend of both our our mindfulness and our metta or our mindfulness and our heart practice to really, really let chitta help us create daily practice.
0: Mm, I love that. And even there I could feel that felt sense of your body is craving this or your body is wanting this and to listen to that heart quality to be the driver versus the mind saying, Oh, should I do this? Should I not? What are the benefits? Or I'm five minutes. I woke up five minutes late or the, 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 and our brain that can just totally throw us off. And so where we can just tune maybe a little bit more into the heart quality to balance everything out. Oh, such great wisdom. Amanda, we could keep talking about kindness now and your book and everything, I'm sure, all day. I mean, there's so much wisdom and really juicy practices and insights in, the, in all 28 days. Tell our listeners where they can find more about you and your book and stay connected.
1: Thanks, Wade. So I would love to connect with our beautiful listeners anytime. So you can find me across all of the social media channels at Amanda Gilbert Meditation. You can find me on my website, um, amandagilbertmeditation.com. And kindness now is available at all major booksellers from Amazon to Barnes and Noble. Uh, to Book Depository for International Orders, and it's at many of your local beloved indie bookstores as well. So um, you can get it in a variety of ways and wherever you most love to get your books.
0: And I just want to say an extra big congratulations on birthing this book, because I remember when we connected in February 2020, you were like, I have this book inside of me. (laughs) It's ready. I'm ready to give birth to it. And I know you weren't mm-hmm. super clear yet on what that was going to look like, but just congratulations. Cause it just takes so much intentionality and consistency and dedication to create something like this and give this gift to the world. So thank you
1: wait thank you so much for that reflection and i remember that moment and that just makes this celebration and this sharing you know of of the teachings and the practices of kindness now with you and on your beautiful podcast that much sweeter Um, it's been so good to connect and it's been delightful to drop in on all these gorgeous conversation topics together
0: thanks so much for listening to the center in the city podcast I would be honored and so grateful if you took a moment to rate and review this podcast. As you probably know, this helps get the podcast and all this information into many more people's ears and hearts. Join Amanda and I on Instagram to continue the conversation at Amanda Gilbert Meditation and at One Wade. Share with us your takeaways, what you're learning, or even what you're currently practicing in your own mindfulness
1: practice. Until next time, stay centered.